Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight. The podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson, and um, looking forward to tonight's message and story from my good friend Chad Rawlings, who I've known since I was a little tyke. Um, <laughs> Chad Rawlings and I went to the same high school. We actually worked at the same place um, together in high school. Called it was, it was a furniture company called Madsen Furniture. And we were delivery boys, and you were yeah. you were part of you're you were part of the family. Yep. yep. Um, and and you and Dan, my my older brother Dan, had known each other for a while before that through high school, right? Yep. Yep. Met in high school. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And and you guys, um, you know, I, I joke about this a lot, but I, you guys saved your lawn mowing money, and you bought the BFF necklaces <laughs> that have the hearts <laughs> or the moons and two, right? Do That's you still right. wear yours? You uh, do, you do every day. It's it's, I, it's all I have right an now. Ear piercing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but. Um, this is Chad is is somebody who in the Gregson family uh, we we love and we we've looked up to and and we know his family really well. Um, his brother Mike actually came and served in the same mission as me as well, and and there's some deep connections there too. But uh, yeah, um, Chad, I'm excited to hear your story. I you know I know your story. I I, I know it fairly well, um, and I and I just I look up to you a lot in the life that you've lived and and it's going to be f- a lot of fun for people to hear your story because I think there's some there's some things that you've gone through that are really difficult that that weren't even like necessarily caused by your own actions or choices right um, so tune in everybody I think you're going to really find some things to relate to in, in Chad's message I, I think we're going to cover some things like shame and and um, and things like that, 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 uh, we can all in a way relate to and self, you know, self-consciousness of, of judging ourselves, things like that. So, um, take it away, Chad. Yeah. Well, Hey, thanks, Mike. It, it's uh, fun to be here with you. Um, uh, when you, you and Dan first started this podcast, what, several months ago, um, I saw you kind of advertise it on Instagram and I thought, well, oh, that's interesting that got a podcast going, let's, let's check this out. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't really think it was going to be anything like, wow, but I listened and was just totally blown away like yeah. how, how awesome this is. I, I've listened to every episode and I have learned something from every single guest you've had on here and uh i just you know before we get started i just want to tell you how much i've appreciated you know the, the work that you put into this and the guests that you've had um it's just really like i look forward every week to the the new episode coming out so i, I know my story probably won't hold a candle oh yes to, it will to uh, everyone else on who's been on here but uh you know thanks for doing 
what you're doing. Thank it's, you. It's great work. Thank you. I, you know, I, I just real quick, I just got to say, um, last, the last podcast I had was with John Will- Willison, a good friend of mine from Colorado. And he said, he said, you know, the one thing about this podcast, it's not full of celebrities. And that's the beauty of it. Like every, everyday people and celebrities are everyday people too, but it's different. It's, I mean, we're talking people that it doesn't matter what you do in life. Um, everyday regular people like you and I, and these are very real things that we go through and, and they're the way that they view them. Um, and, and the things they've learned through them, it's so empowering and it's, it's, it's so, it brings so much hope. I've learned a ton. I think I've learned more than anybody else from, from doing this podcast. So thank you. Well, I mean, it's real life and it, it's relatable. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about it. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Okay. Well, but, although you're a Utah fan and, and I'm a BYU <laughs> fan and uh, um, you're in cougar country and you're yeah. drinking from your BYU mug right now that I gave you, you're welcome for that. Yes. Uh. You know, I'm struggling to breathe in this <laughs> air right now. Yeah. Well, but, welcome to the celestial you know. kingdom, brother. Um, uh, anyway, no, it, just this is going to be a lot of fun. So excited to have you out here but yeah take it away you know where do you want to start and, and tell us about yourself your family cool yeah um so um i live in uh, east mill creek area right now it's uh, the same area I, I grew up in um and so that, that's kind of fun to come back and and uh live where i grew up and and to see all these people that i grew up with because uh, we lived in bountiful for a period of time are you are you close to the same neighborhood yeah i am just just a few blocks to the uh, the north, really. No so kidding. I'm you know driving through the the old hood, you know, uh, every day. So it, it's it's really fun to see the house I grew up in. Yeah, and, that's and cool. That's kind of cool. It doesn't happen to too many people. In yeah, lives. that's fun. Absolutely. And um, you know, I, I have a an awesome wife, Christy, and I have four children. Uh, my oldest, Tate, is uh, a junior at Olympus High School. Uh, then Haley, she is um, a a freshman, a ninth grade freshman at Olympus. Carson is my 11-year-old who's in sixth grade at Evergreen Junior High. And my baby, Allie, she is eight years old and goes to Rosecrest Elementary School. And, um, you know, they're, they're just kind of my, all of them, they're, they're my life right now. And, and it's great. Um, boy, how did you, how did your wife make that happen? Boy, girl, boy, girl. Uh, a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go into that detail, but anyway, thanks. Yeah. Just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, we just lucked out. You know, it's pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. I didn't grow up with sisters. And so having a, a couple of daughters is yeah. uh, uh, really different, it, it, but awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for you. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and please tell Christy, thank you so much for, for holding down the fort while you drove out here tonight to, to share your story. Um, but yeah, tell us what you do professionally. Like, what, what are you doing currently? Yeah, right now I work for Intermountain Healthcare. Um, I'm in the supply chain organization, and uh, my, my title is category leader. And uh, it doesn't really say much about what I do, but... <laughs> do you get to uh, pick the category yeah. every day? Like, okay. <laughs> Today, I'm a brain surgeon. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> yes, I'm the leader of brain surgery. That's, right. That's the category for today. <laughs> um, but really what I do is uh, I, I do contract negotiations for... Uh, specific categories in the company. So uh, in my portfolio, I, um, I handle the contracting for finance, revenue cycle, marketing, and um, uh, I'm having a, a brain lapse here, but uh, oh, business development. Nice. So um, 
I've been with Intermountain for uh, coming up on 12 years now. Awesome. And it's been good to me and, and to my family. So and Intermountain Healthcare is like the largest hospital organization in health. Well, I should say healthcare, right? Cause they have yeah, hospitals and they have small little like Instacares all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Lots but, of hospitals, clinics throughout Utah and Idaho and now into Nevada and, uh, they're ever expanding. So I, you know, so my past guest, um, I don't know if you heard her podcast with me, but Adrian Gunn Hansen, yeah. uh-huh, I did her husband. I, I, I want to, I don't remember his name, but her husband is, is over. Yeah, could be. Um, I'll, I'll look into that. But yeah, he's over there. So you ought to, you ought to make that connection as well. She shared a great story. She did. Yeah. I, I, you know, I went to high school with her. I didn't know her yeah. personally, but I knew who she was yeah. and, and to hear her Well, story she was that, that pretty girl that yeah. sang really, really well in high school, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. Yep. She was awesome. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's what I do for work. and. Awesome. And yeah, and you and you live. You're back in kind of your old hood, your old stomping ground. As you're driving around the neighborhood, do a lot of these memories flash back to you, and and you see some of the there. Hey, look, there's old man Willis there on the corner. He was there when I was a kid. And you got to share that with your kids. Yeah, I, I, it's crazy. You know, we have this little scooter that I take my eight year old on, and and we'll cruise around the neighborhoods, and and I went, oh, hey, there's the house I grew up in, and and this was my friend's house, and you remember this person? Well, they grew up there, and and. You know, after you do that 25 times, okay, dad, can we go home now? Yeah. You know, but uh, it, it's fun to, to do that. Uh, and I know your, I know your childhood, Chad. Do you tell them the truth? You say, hey, this is the first one I toilet papered. Yeah, yeah. And this is the corner where I used to stand and throw exit cars, right? <laughs> this is the sign I stole and yes. hid in John Rizmay's basement. Yes. Hey, John, there you go. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> That's a true story. We're going to go check that attic now. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, let, let's dive in. So, so where do you want to start? All right. So, um, you know, growing up um, in the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, you know, I, I grew up in uh, a family who was, you know, very active. We go to church every week. Uh, you know, my parents were various leadership positions and, and um, you know, stuff like that. Um, you just kind of are taught that when you turn 19 years old, go back to when it was 19 to serve a mission, um, that you, every worthy young man is supposed to serve a mission. And, and in primary, you, you sing songs about, I hope they call me on a mission. And, I hope yeah. they call me. Yeah. <laughs> when I've grown a foot or yes. two. Um, and so you're, you're, you're kind of, that, that's ingrained into your mind as you, you grow up. Well, and, it's literally, it's literally what we believe a commandment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, exactly. And, and, uh, it, for me, I kind of viewed that as like the pinnacle of life, right? Like when you're young, you think, oh, well, I'm 19, I serve a mission. And I really didn't think much beyond that, what you do. Yeah, okay, I'll get married, have a family, whatever. But like the focus was mission, right? Did you and, come from a home where dad served a mission um, or grandparents and they would ask you all the time, like, hey, are you going to serve a mission? Where do you want to go? Is that, is that kind of... My, my dad actually, he didn't serve a mission. Okay. And so I, I, there was like really no pressure that way. Sure. But, um, you know, with, with the great friends that I, I grew up with and great family, it was just kind of like, that's just what you do, yeah. right? Yeah, And um, And so, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I guess it's like an expectation yeah. in, in the, the church. And, and um, 
you know, I, I felt like that's what I want to do. How, how, you know, it sounds pretty cool. You get to go to like a, a new state or a foreign country, possibly learn a language. And you always hear about it being the best two years of your life. And, um, you know, all my friends were, were going to be serving missions too. And, and so that's what that's I what was expecting do. life would be. Yeah. And um, so your mom and dad, even though your dad didn't serve, they were on board with like, hey, Oh, yeah. going on a mission yeah, when you're 19. Because yeah. I was, that's where my mind was. Yeah, yeah I'm going to serve a mission. Yep. And um, so they would just go along. No, no pressure from them either way. But I, you know, I think it's just kind of expected, right? Yep. And um, so as I became of age, you know, I, um, in my group of friends, I was kind of in the middle age-wise where I had friends who had left you know, almost a year before I was old sure. enough to go, being a, a summer birthday, you yeah. know. And then I had friends younger than me. And and um, so I watched a, a handful of friends get their calls and all the excitement around that and be there for some of them to open up their, excuse me, to open up their calls. And and it was just a, a lot of fun and ex- exciting time. And, and so I, I went to school at the U, you know, after I graduated for a year before I was, you know, 19. And, and, uh, my head wasn't really in school at that time. You know, my friends were leaving. My mind was was like, Hey, I'm going to get my call sometime soon. Like whatever. I'm going through the motions. You know, I'm I'm taking classes like golf and basketball, you know, that's (laughs) the tough stuff, right? Yeah. Hey, it's still credit. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. And, (laughs) and so, um, it came time for me to, put my papers in and you go through the interview process with the bishop and the state president. And, and, um, I was just, you know, I wanted to serve a foreign mission. I wanted to learn a language, um, just all that. I just, whatever is, you know, I would have been happy with anything, but what I really wanted was the, the exciting learn a language, yeah, go foreign. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, in the church, that's kind of, looked at it like oh wow that's fancy exotic right yeah (laughs) you're going to you're going to guam and you can't even go to the beach but it's going to be cool sleeping on dirt floors (laughs) giant spiders yeah you're going to have tarantulas (laughs) crawl across your forehead at night but you're going to be protected by god because you're on a mission that's what you're supposed to that's right (laughs) and um so anyway you know my my papers get submitted and uh I think the, the turnaround time was typically like two and a half weeks sure. at that time. And, and I was just so excited. I, I couldn't wait to get that call. And, and, uh, my, my dad, he actually called over to the church office building and, and asked if we could just pick up my call when it was ready, you know, before they would send it out in the mail so I could get it, you know, a day or two earlier. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So they set it out for me and, and, uh, my dad and mom and I got in the car, drove down. And uh, I ran in and, and grabbed my call off the, the desk they had there for me and sat out in our car with my parents opening up my call. And uh, you know, it said Salvador, Brazil. And I was just like, yes, you know, I'm, I'm going to a foreign country. Uh, I get to learn uh, a language. Um, I'm, I'm just super stoked Happy. about it. Yeah. You know? And um, so I, you know, we call all the family and, and friends and, and let them know. And, and, uh, I was set to leave in like early August of 1998 seems so long ago now. And this, this was like what, two, three months after you got your call. Yeah. 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 So I, I think it was about 
three months, okay. if I remember okay. correctly. And so went through all the, the preparation, you know, buying all the clothes that you need and, and getting the shots I needed to get to leave the country. And, and um, uh, you know, it was great. It was fun, exciting. Um, and then I had my, my farewell. So where you speak in church before you go. And, and, um, at, and my family had moved so in early July, so a month before I was supposed to leave. And so um, we were kind of going through that, but I was speaking in our old ward even after we had moved. And, and, um, and it was about two and a half weeks before I was supposed to go because we were going out of town, you know, kind of last family yeah. trip. And um, create some memories for you yeah, before you go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and so I remember, you know, that night after you know, we had family and friends over at, at the house to celebrate after I, I spoke and, and kind of the, the reality of it all kind of came and hit me. And I, I started to freak out a little so bit. Right at directly after the, the farewell talk. Yeah. I mean, it was that night. It's that all night, of a sudden it was like, Whoa, this oh my real. gosh, this, you know, stuff is getting real. Yeah. And, uh, I thought, okay, it's just, you know, nerves. I'm sure everyone experiences that. Right. You know? And so, um, I just kind of, you know, sucked it up and, and dealt with that for the next couple of weeks. And, and um, I remember, you know, it was the night before going to the MTC. I, I was just like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm freaking out. Can't sleep. Anxiety. Just, yeah, anxiety, fear, you name it. And I'm just, oh, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I thought, okay, I, I'm, just, I'm just nervous, you know. I'm, I'm all good though. And so, you know, morning comes, I, I didn't sleep a bit and, um, you know, get stuff together and, and my parents and brothers, you know, we all load in the car and drive down to good old Provo to the missionary training center. And, and, um, I, I guess they don't do this anymore, but back then you go in with the whole One family. One huge room. A, yeah. Like an auditorium. They play a, a video. Yeah. Video that, yeah. that at the end, someone says something and they say, okay, hug your families goodbye. And then yeah. that's it. Yeah. Like, oh. Exactly. I mean, it had the most cruel <laughs> yeah. prank, yeah. That, you know, yeah. it was just ridiculous yeah. in my mind, but yeah, it's uh, I guess that's why they won't do it anymore. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, at, at the time, you know, hugging my parents and brothers and saying goodbye, I, I just lost yeah. it. I, I broke down and uh, did you say at, at that point did you say to your mom and dad like i can't i don't know that i could do this or were you just kind of like holding it in i'm gonna get through this this is just i'm really afraid right now but i don't want to like i don't want to say anything about that so you just kind of holding it in or were you like t saying to your mom and dad like i can't I, you know i i was holding it in yeah. you know saying like I, i'm just nervous trying I'll to be, be fine i just yeah. need to get through this part and i'm good and so, you know, I went one way, my family went the other way, and and I walked out, and I happened to see a, a couple of guys who I went to high school with who oh. were in there, you know, and then, so that was kind of fun. Like, oh, okay, that kind I of I feel helps. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Familiar faces. I can do this. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you, you get your room assignment, and and uh, I get to my room, and and the uh, companion I'm assigned to is in there, and, and the two other roommates that you share with, and... Um, you know, okay, let's introduce ourselves. And, and, uh, you know, I, I say, I'm Chad or Elder Rawlings. Or <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Salt Lake, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, this is what I like to do. And my companion's like, Oh, my name's, I, I can't remember his name, but I, I, I like math. 
And I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, <laughs> this, I, I can't. Not my strong like, suit. That's not my thing. I'm sorry. You oh, know yeah? What? What's three plus three? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> I, I even struggled with that answer. Yeah. And um, so I'm thinking, all right, that's cool. You know, we're, we're different, but it, it'll be good. Yeah. And I just had this, this nervous feeling throughout that day, just nervous, sick feeling. We go, you know, to our, our first class and I, I couldn't focus. You know, they're, they're trying to teach Portuguese and I, my mind is just not, I, I can't focus. Uh, we go to dinner and I'm not hungry. And uh, so I just kind of sit there with, you know, a bowl of cereal in front of me and I you know, can't eat it. And there's like an evening class and the same thing. I can't focus. I'm like, I, I got to get out of here. I need to get out of here. Were you just quietly keeping it all inside yeah. going, and trying to just go from next class to next class or whatever? It, it, exactly. Yeah, I, just I, fall I just, on the I schedule. Get, yeah. I can just get through this. I just need a few days yeah. and I'll, everything will be fine. I just need to get used to the situation. Could you stop thinking about it or was it just constant? Constant. There the whole time. there. No kidding. And, um, you know, we, we go to bed, you know, it's bedtime or whatever. And I just laid in bed all night, like freaking out. Like, I can't do this. I can't go, go to a foreign country. I can't learn a language. I can't leave my family for this long. Like, are they going to be okay if I'm not there? Like just any thought or reason why I shouldn't be there was going through my head. And uh, so, you know, I, I didn't sleep at all that night. And so now I've gone a couple nights without sleep. Um, you know, we go to breakfast. I'm not eating. I'm, I just, no appetite go through the motions with the classes again, still I can't focus, you know, I can't pay attention to what they're saying. Everyone seems to be getting it and they're speaking, Ooh, that's lonely. you know, to each you know, words to each other. And I'm like, I, have, I don't even know what you're saying. That's a lonely, that's a lonely time for you. I, I, yeah. I, I feel, I've, I've only been there a day yeah. and I'm already feeling like I'm behind and uh, that I'm not cut out for not it. Not good enough. Everyone else is like all excited. Yeah, they're, they're having fun. Like they've known each other forever. And I'm just like, I, I can't do this. And um, so, you know, the, the rest of the day is just like that. I don't eat. I can't focus in class. And so that night, so it'd be the second evening there, um, we're walking to dinner. And in the front of the MTC, there was a, a row of pay phones. And I saw... What's a payphone, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> well, children, <laughs> in the old days, when you had a quarter, yeah. and I guess people don't even know what quarters are. Yeah, I know, right? But, and it's uh, not even children you're yeah. talking to anymore. You're talking to college kids, <laughs> well, kids. That's true. Yeah, young adults, right? Exactly. So um, I, I saw a missionary over at the payphone, and you know, I had some coins in my pocket. I'm like, I'm, I'm calling my parents. Like, I, I can't do this. And so... Um, I, the missionary that was there hung up and I just happened to pick up the phone in time because I guess somebody controls the power to oh. us. And I just happened to pick up at the right time and popped a quarter in and I called home and my mom answers and I'm like, mom, I, I can't do this. Like I, I'm freaking out. And you know, she's giving me a, a pep talk like any parent would do. So oh, you're, you're okay. You can handle this. You've only been gone one day. Give it more time, and you'll, you'll be okay. No, I, I, I really, I, I cannot do this. And um, you know, I, I was on the phone for a few minutes trying to convince her that I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, and she's still trying to, you know, calm me down, talk me through it. And then finally, you know, we we hung up, and I went to dinner. Did you at that point that you hung up? 
did you in your mind convince yourself I'm going to try I'm going to try and stick this out did you feel better after talking to your mom or were you like okay well that didn't work I still can't do this yeah exactly yeah, okay. that's how I felt okay and, and so I go to dinner like companion and and the other roommates there are eating and and I'm just sitting there like did hungry any of them say anything to you they're are you all right uh, yeah I'm, I'm fine you know and obviously I wasn't yeah. but I'm like, who am I going to tell? I, I've known these guys for 24 hours. Uh, I guess while I was on the phone, my companion had went and told somebody that I had. Okay. You know, I was actually going to ask, call. where was he? And um, so we're in our evening class and someone came in and, and said, hey, can you, can you come, come with me? The MTC president would like to ch chat with you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble? Like... Great, you know, because any time like in school when someone comes down, oh, the principal yeah. wants to see you. I'm thinking, uh-oh. Yeah. And so that was a, something I was all too familiar yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. And um, at least there's no intercom, yeah. though. Chad Rawlings, come to the office, <laughs> yeah. please. And the whole school's like, oh, <laughs> Chad. Yeah. Yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So um, I, I go down to the MTC president's office and and he's like, hey, what's going on? So I... I let them know that I'm, you know I can't do this. I'm I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. I'm freaking out. I can't focus. And he, uh, you know, said, you, you you gotta give me two weeks. Give me two weeks. And if you still feel this way, you can go home. Otherwise, you'll be fine and it can continue. I'm like, no, nope, can't do it. Sorry. You know, I, I'm not giving you two Hard weeks. Hard no. I'm just no. Yeah. No, I'm I'm done. And kept you were, trying to tell me, get me to commit. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. And, and for you, because you want to live up to the expectations. When you're that young you, you, and you grow up in that culture, you want to live up to the expectations of people around you. you. You know they're good people, this, that, and the other. And so for you to just kind of be at a place where you're at a hard no, when you grew up excited to go on a mission, you must have been feeling pretty, pretty low, pretty... Uh, scared i mean if i can't imagine yeah. fear just kind of it was like fight or flight mode you know like i felt like there, you know there's something wrong i need to get out of here you were fighting to flight yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah and um so finally i realized okay this guy is not letting me out of his office until i commit yeah so finally i'm like all right yeah i'll, Fine. I'll stay two weeks sure where do I shake, yeah. right? You shake your hand and there you yeah. go. But then yeah. you walk out of his office and, and you're still in your mind saying, I can't I'm do like, this. I'm out of here tomorrow. No kidding. That, I walked out of there thinking, I'm, I'm gone. And I'm, I'm planning my way home, you know, at that point. And um, so I get back to my room and um, the companion, just, they, you know, they just kind of look at me like, oh, what's going on? What's wrong with this guy? You know, and and yeah, they weren't really asking me anything sure. about it, you know. Well, it's, just, a, whatever. it's an awkward thing it, if, exactly. if you don't really have experience with people that have, yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, a hard there's thing. There's this guy we've known for a day, and he's already in trouble with the MTC president, and he's making phone calls? <laughs> that's every, make phone yeah, that's calls everything you're not supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> he's yeah. already breaking the rules. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I, I hadn't quite decided that I'm, I'm out of here yet. I was like, I, I'm still feeling like I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. We go to bed. I don't sleep again. <sighs> and so, you know, yeah, so I'm, I'm exhausted. And in the middle of the night, I'm like, I'm packing up my stuff. I'm out. Like we, the alarm goes off. I'm out of here. So six o'clock, everyone's getting up, going in the shower. I'm packing my suitcases uh, to, okay. to get out. Yeah. 
did they did they see you doing this? I mean, obviously they did. You have like six, eight guys in a room. Yeah, yeah. So and were they saying stuff? So to you? they're like, um, uh, my my companion's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm out of here." <laughs> Our flight doesn't leave for three months, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I still had like packaging on my clothes, you know, and and um, and they're like, well, all right, well, we're not gonna stop you. All right, perfect, because you're not going to be able to stop me. Can you guys help and, me at least get a boost over the fence? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so I, I pack up my stuff, right? I have like three suitcases or, or like two suitcases and on wheels and a backpack. And I'm in my suit and I'm like, well, see ya. You know, sayonara, fellas. And uh, I, I walk out of the, the room there down the hall and outside. And I'm like, all right, how the crap am I going to get out of here? I mean, I'm it's, stuck in it's Provo, like a Utah. Prison, dude. Yes. Like if, for and you're a Utah fan, here, and you're close to BYU, <laughs> and it's like, oh, this I'm, is the, it's it was, like, it's like hell. It was a double whammy. <laughs> just, oh man, it, uh, there couldn't have been a worse situation for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I love how I love I saw um, I have this imagery of you like in a saloon back in the old Western days, like cyanide, cyanide <laughs> suckers. Have fun going to serve God. I'm out. That's right. Peace. So, but uh, you're just scared. Like, it, like you're running on just crazy emotion. Well, like, you know how if you have like something in your mind yeah. and, and whatever, like you are just determined that nothing's going to stop you. That's and where you were. You're going to make it happen, and that's yeah. where I was. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, like that fight or flight. It's kind of kind of beyond the fear at this point. You're just. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. I can't do that. I'm, I'm committed to not doing that, and this is where I'm at. So you were super driven to just get home. Exactly. Yeah. And there was nothing that anyone could say or do at that point and, to change my mind. And you weren't thinking beyond the moment in the sense of like, were you, were you starting to in your brain go, okay, so if I go back home, all of my, my church group, my neighborhood, my friends – then I've got to start answering all these questions. They're going to wonder like, hey, what's wrong with Chad? Like, were you there yet? Or were you just like, I don't care. No, I want to get home. No, no. It, yeah. it was one single thing on my mind. And that was get, get out the of heck here. out of the yeah. MTC. And, you know, so I, I'm wheeling my, my suitcases out of the building, looking for a way to get out. And because if I go through the front, <laughs> you know, security is going to catch me. And there was some construction going on on, on the side of the property. And a gate was open. I'm like, there it is. I am out. I am a free bird. The know? heavens parted. The light came so, down the gate. <laughs> oh, it meant to. It was meant to be. Yeah. And so um, I, I just walked through the gate, and I'm in a neighborhood, <laughs> wheeling my suitcases in my suit, and uh, you know, I, I pulled the name tag off because I didn't want to be too suspicious. Oh, right? they knew. They saw a guy. <laughs> walk with, they, I'm sure there was a husband and wife in a house. By the MTC that looked at each other and went, there goes another there, one. There goes another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they just, you know, make one of those yeah, tick check, marks yeah. on the wall. Yep, like. yep. <laughs> yep. That's number four this week, yeah. Charlene. Yeah, Charles. We got a runner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, uh, you know, I, I had been down to, uh, you know, BYU to watch football games, you know, several times before. So sure. I, I knew there was a gas station, kitty corner from... Uh, the football stadium. Side note: This is back in the day when BYU actually used to win some of those games. So there's there's a big yeah. there was a big bitterness in your heart when you were making that phone call. That <laughs> was right. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even look yeah, at, the, yeah. at the stadium. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I get to the stadium or uh, to the gas station, and you know, looking for a payphone. 
and I had used my only quarter the night before on the other payphone. And so I'm like, oh, crap. So I leave. The runner that asked to beg for money to call. <laughs> That's great. I'd make a sign. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Mystery trying yeah. to get back home. Um, <laughs> Help me get home yeah. to my family. Yeah. Um, but um, I, you know, I had some cash. So I'm like, okay, I need to go get change. And so I went in and, and bought like an orange juice and uh, got my change, went out and, and uh, picked up the phone and called home. And, you know, at this point, it's, it's probably 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. And, Early. And uh, my, my dad answers, no, my mom answered the phone, if I remember right. And I'm like, mom, and she's just immediately hands as the phone to my dad. As soon as she heard your you know? voice, yep. <laughs> And so uh, my dad's like, you know, what's wrong? What's going on? And I'm like, come and pick me up or I'm calling a taxi to bring me home. And no, you're good. I'm like, come pick me up. This is, this is. <laughs> like, un- did you not hear me? Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> I will call a cab. Yeah. And um, so, so they, my parents drove down. I just sat there on the curb at the Chevron uh, for 45 minutes or whatever, waiting for them to come. And. So they, they got me, we're going to take you back to the MTC and let them know that we have you. So we go back there and I, I kind of refused to get out of the car. Um, the MTC president came out and said, I, I thought you were staying two weeks. And I'm just like, no. I lied to you. <laughs> I'm not worthy <laughs> I, to go I now. To get out, yeah. I wanted to get out of your office. Yeah. You know? And um, So were you starting to get angry at this point? So I, I, just I was like, just super frustrated. Like, just let me get I, home. I can't you know, do get this. Get me out of here. Yeah. Um, give me a break, you know, and, um, you know, my, my, the ride home was kind of weird because my parents were like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, I'm not sure what's going on. A little bit frustrated that they had to come down, yeah. you know, to get me. And, um, but as soon as we, we got home, you know, parked the car in the garage, I walk in the house and I'm just fine. Stress-free. I'm, I'm starving. You know, I, I go right to the cereal cabinet and I start eating and and I'm I'm good. Yeah. And um, you know, it was like nothing ever happened. Everything's back to normal. Just right then, immediately. Immediately. No kidding. And um, it was just really weird. So I'm I'm home for. Oh no! I guess later that day, you know, the school was starting up at the U, and uh, my cousin who lived in our our ward. She's like, hey, I've got to go up there. I'm just going to try and find my classes. Do you want to go for the ride? Like, yeah, sure. I'm, why not? You know, my dad's at work. My mom, I think she might have been at work, if I remember. So how I'm did she sure. know? Did your did your parents they, they, kind of tell yeah, the family? Yeah. yeah. And so um, she came and picked me up, and I just went with her, and we drove around and just kind of hung out that afternoon. And and I get home, and I remember my dad was just like livid. He's he was like, mad. What are you doing? You just got home from the mission you're you know we're trying to figure that out and and you're just not i I don't remember the the words but the the impression was like you're out there people what are people gonna think you know it was i I don't know if that was what the intent of his comments were sure but that's how i i felt sure and so well and i like i just gotta say on this note it for for the lds culture um, we're all, these are very close communities here in Utah and we all kind of know each other, whether you remember the church or not. Uh, that's just kind of what happens because of the church. And by nature, I think for parents, when, when a child is making mistakes in their lives or when they do something like this, where they come home from a mission, um, 
it can cause the parents, the parents that have never, I mean, they've never experienced this yeah. stuff and they're just trying their best to live a good exactly. life and get their kids in the right spot. And, and I'm sure for them, there was, there was some shame behind that towards them. Not, yeah. not, not yeah. them feeling like you need to be shamed. They, they're trying to help you and work with you and try to understand you. But I'm sure they were worried about like being looked at by their peers and yeah. like, what's wrong with these Absolutely. parents? Cause they can't help their kids get on a mission. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's unfortunate. And, and then not knowing like, like wondering what is wrong. You yeah. Know, they have no clue. Yep. And, uh, so I think there's just some frustration there and, and, um, and he want, and your dad wants the best for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so I, I kind of felt some, some, like, that's kind of where the shame started to creep in, right? Gotcha. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm disappointing my parents. So it didn't really settle in. You were just happy to be home yeah. until later that night mm -hmm. when your dad came home and then you started to really have to face your parents and yeah, face yeah. The reality question, yeah. was like okay, reality then, and um, and so I, I think, oh my gosh, and so I'm home and I'm like, well, now what? You know, I, I was supposed to go on a mission. Now what? I'm home. And I'm home for maybe a week, and th this whole week I'm like, I am such a baby. What is my problem? So just shame and a lot of and, shame in yourself. Yeah, and and it's even you know uh, when I first came home, our, our state president in the ward that we had just moved from um you know he he heard i was home called me to his office and it wasn't the best meeting like a lot of shame came from that and i, I was really taken <clears throat> aback by it like thinking whoa you're supposed to be here to support me and help me and, and i'm not getting that you know the way his approach was just terrible in my mind and and, um, so that was just more fuel to that shame, yeah. shameful fire. And, um, so anyway, a week or so passes and, and that whole week I'm, I, I'm a baby. What is my deal? This is what I wanted to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. I just need to suck it up and quit being such a wuss. And so I had, uh, made the decision that, you know, m m maybe it was, uh, the, the, the fear of learning a new language or going to Brazil. And so I decided I want to go back. This is about two weeks later. Uh, probably a week or so later. Okay. And so talked to the bishop in our new ward. That, and that's a, that's a very courageous thing to do. Okay. So I, I just kind of want to, I know there's gonna be a few people that listen to this that, that don't really understand what this means, um, in the LDS, LDS faith and culture, um, saying maybe grow up in it, but, um, coming home from a mission in the late nineties, even up until, you know, like even today, there's still some things or stipulations around that and what that means. But if you go and you come home automatically, uh, people kind of go, what's wrong with him, yeah. right? Did he commit some sins that he didn't repent of or come clean with or, does he have some mental problems or is he just a wuss, yeah. right? So th these are judgments that are very real. And, and so you're, you've come back, you're starting to shame yourself. You have this meeting with your stake president. I want to come back to that later on because okay. I think that's really important to talk about. Um, but, but to get, I mean, I mean, to be in that moment and to get the courage to say, I want to go back. Like that's a big step. Cause I think at that point in my mind, I could see myself going, you know what I'm here. And I, I could just start getting really bitter. If anyone even like had a problem with that mm -hmm. or questioned me on that. 
and I'd put up my walls and I'd go forward with my life, but I'd get all those naysayers or bitter people just to like, leave me the heck alone. Yeah. I'm going to be on my, my railroad tracks and you're going to get out of my way. But to have the courage to kind of pause and go, Hey, look, I want to go. And, and to do that again with, with, such a short period of time. I, I think that takes a lot of courage and I, kudos to you for like, for recognizing that, yeah, you, you wanted to do that. You wanted to try. Well, and, and yeah, th- <clears throat> thank you. And, um, you know, at, at the time, you know, everything I'm home, so everything's back to normal. So I felt like, you know, I wanted to go. Yeah. So I, I'm good now. So let's try it again. Yeah. And so talk to the new Bishop that we had, who just a, a great guy. Um, and he said, all right, let's get you back out there. And so, uh, did you have to meet with that state, same stake president again? No, we, okay. that was different because we had moved, yeah. but since he was the state president that I went out with originally, he just met with me and it was just a bad experience. Gotcha. And so I'm all right, we're done. And, um, so, you know, new Bishop, new state president, and they were just both awesome and like, okay, well, let's get you back out there. And, um, so I got a new call. It wasn't sent in the mail. It was, you know, the Bishop calling saying, Hey, Got You're going call. to Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Um, you need to be down to the MTC tomorrow. You're only going to have to be in the MTC for two and a half weeks because this group's already in. They uh, had an opening <laughs> with... Um, they had a runner. Yeah, <laughs> another runner <laughs> I was filling the void for. And um, so I, I'm thinking, great. You know, it, it's stateside now maybe that will make things easier it's less time in the mtc that's got to make it better less over overwhelming and um you know my, my grandparents on my, my dad's side they had served as mission presidents in uh, the independence missouri mission ah. while i was you know a few years prior and had the opportunity to to go out and visit them a number of times and my grandpa would send my cousin and i out with the missionaries yeah and, and got a taste of that yeah and, and so I thought, okay, well, I'm, my grandpa, he, they had been home for about a year at this point. And I thought, well, maybe if I don't have my family, like my parents drive me down there, maybe that will help with the separation as well. So I had my grandpa, oh, cool. you know, who was familiar with the, you know, mission yeah. scene and, and uh, had him drive me down there and, and drop me off. And he you know, shakes my hand and go get him, elder. Yeah. So I, I go in and, and meet my new companion who was a great guy and and the roommates you know we, we all seemed to kind of click a little bit better but then that night it all started no, started over again i couldn't eat i couldn't sleep and my mind just kind of went crazy and uh, you know I, i'd sit through classes again i couldn't focus it was just uh, deja vu all over again and uh so I made it two nights dealing with the same stuff. And I already had a blueprint for an escape route. <laughs> so the next, you knew where that construction I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew where it was. And it's, it's funny because uh, you know, I, I use that as a joke for people going on a mission now. Like, hey, if you need my escape map, <laughs> I'll, I'll, draw, I'll draw it for I, you. I can come pick you up. Yeah. But um, so I just used my same route. I already knew the drill, packed up my stuff after a couple of nights of not sleeping and, and no eating. And I bailed. So this this time was different though, because you didn't you didn't have a meeting with the MTC Missionary Training Center president because no, I knew what was going to come of it. Right? Oh, we need you yeah. to commit. Did you see weeks. him at all when you went back that second time? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. Okay. Um, but so you you just stayed quiet, but in your brain you said, "Nope, 
yeah. can't do it. Mm-hmm. Can't. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. Don't even enjoy Nothing's this ranch changed. that people talk about all the time. Yeah. Man, gross. <laughs> and 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 you you two nights your second night you took off. Well, so I slept. You know. Well, okay. I slept. Got it. So in nights. the morning again. So yeah, the morning. Um, I start packing up my stuff, and um, the, the difference this time was my companion and the other missionaries were sharing a room. I was sharing a room with. Were trying to stop me. Yeah. You know, like no, don't do it. Don't okay, do man. it. Yeah. And they were like literally grabbing my suitcase. But in my mindset, you know, I'm already there. Like, like nothing yep. you say or do. And I'm like, if I have to drag you attached to the suitcase, I will do it. Yeah. And I had the strength at the time to do it because yeah. nothing was stopping. Yes. Me. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I, you know, walked out that construction that, gate. That 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 must have been a hard moment. Cause I'm sure you had a lot of frustration inside of you. And if people are trying, if they're literally grabbing your, your luggage to keep you there, like I understand why they would do that. I understand. I get that mentality of trying to say, Hey, just hang in there. Let's go. Let's do this. But I'm sure with your mind made up, that had to be a moment where it got pretty intense for it, you. It did. Yeah. And, and my companion, you know, I have to assume good intent here, yeah. but he, he, uh, you know, quoted a scripture <laughs> to me about um you know the savior i'm trying to remember what it was but you know why hast thou forsaken me oh. and i've never forgot that right mm. like i think he was he was trying to help yeah but it did just the opposite yep. because now here comes the shame again yeah. like i am forsaking the savior you know by leaving um and so that cuts deep and uh, i've never forgotten that yeah. and, and i know that it, what he didn't he, mean he, it. He was just like, come on, stay, like you, yep. you, you know. Um, but it, you know, it was just words. But um, but at the same time, though, to say something like that, it's a culture thing. If you don't serve a mission, you're disobeying a commandment. Therefore, God's not pleased with you. Yeah, that is the opposite of what the atonement of Jesus Christ and the grace we receive from that created. Yeah. and so. I, I understand that young man, very young and very, you know, obviously probably grew up in, in a place where he, he had a lot of LDS friends. And, yeah. and um, to say something like that seemed very natural to him, but he didn't really understand what he was saying to somebody. And, and that's, that's a culture thing. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we can, I think, take even that alone. And there's a lot of conversations that we can have around that and how we raise our children. And I want my children to know, and look, my kids are never going to be perfect. Their dad's definitely not perfect, but I, I want my kids to know that, hey, look, if you see someone that's breaking the commandments that you know are commandments of God, you go love them. Yeah. You don't, you don't shame them. You don't make them feel worse because guess what will happen if you, as soon as you say something that makes them lower than you, mm-hmm. they will never forget it. And, they will, and, and that makes you worse than that person for not because that's not what the Savior would do. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, um, I've never forgotten those words, but I've also learned from that too. Sure. You know, which Good for is you. great where I, I think like, okay, you, you don't, you don't treat people this way. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you think before you speak and, but, um, you know, it, it wasn't going to stop me from, from getting out of there and, 
Okay, so the the will the suitcases and the wills. Yeah, yeah. Will down, it's down the same out. street. Same street. Okay, same so, route. So here's uh, the husband and wife in the the window again. Going, hey, isn't that the one we saw <laughs> last? Yeah, he's that's twice. It's a double. Yeah, you Sweet. know what though? I bet there's somebody else that's beat your record of twice. Dude, I hope not. Yeah, no, I hope I, that record stands. <laughs> anyway, keep so keep going. Did you go so, back, do the same routine, back to the gas station. That was the plan. Okay, but uh, the companion had gone to tell somebody oh. that I had left. And so uh, a green minivan pulls up ah. next to me as I'm walking down the street, and it's MTC security. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not getting in. You know, I'm not going with you. Stranger danger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> Here's my name tag. That's I still right. don't know you. <laughs> and um, so he's like, just come in. I, we're just going to you know, call your parents from there. Okay. All right, fine. Jump in the car. They take me back to the office there, and and they call my parents. And uh, were you they, handcuffed this whole time too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had me handcuffed in a chair, just like in the movies, you know, in, in, in jail. Yeah. And um, you will serve the yeah. Lord <laughs> and like it. <laughs> so I, I waited there for you know an hour or whatever for my parents to come down, and they walk in to the office where I am, and I you, you know I can see in their face like they just, just frustration. Uh-huh. And like what Sadness. is going on? Yeah, probably a very you know, sombering like, experience. Yeah, and 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 I could sense their like I don't know if it was anger or or just frustration, yeah. but I, I could see that in their faces. And I get into the car and we pull out, and my my mom is like, "What are you doing?" Uh, you know, and you know her frustration coming out, and and I, I couldn't really give an answer because I didn't know. Um, it, was, it was hard to, to put it into words what I was feeling. And I, I, I almost felt like I had to give like a good reason for it. And I, I just didn't have one. And so that made it really hard too because I couldn't explain. And so, you know, drive the rest of the way home and you know, walk into the house and I'm just fine. Same Appetite's thing. back. Yeah. Um, I just feel like this, this burden was off my shoulders, right? Yeah. This load is off my shoulders and I'm, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm getting on with my life. It is what it is. I'm going to get back into school the next semester. I'm going to work. I'm, I'm done. And, and you know, I, we go to church the next Sunday. My parents kind of drag me because I, I didn't want to go. You know, it's this new ward and they all know that, you know, my my parents have a son that had just left on a mission and, you know, I, they drag me there. I go in and, and people are coming up. Like, oh, hey, how are you? How's your brother on the mission? Oh. Uh, well, that was me. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, nice to meet you. Awkward, you know? Yeah. What do you say at that point? And, That's hard. Yeah. I, and I, I didn't know what to say. And you feel I didn't know why. And you feel so ashamed of yourself. Exactly. Oh, man. And, um. So that, that was really hard to go through that. And I, I, it made me not want to go to church. Yeah. And my cousin who's in the ward, she was attending a singles ward. And, and she took me another, you know, the next week up there. And, and, and I didn't know anybody except for my, my cousin. And because there was no one I went to high school with. Because we were all in a different yeah. Yeah, yeah. area. Different area. And, and I just felt so stupid and out of place. And I, I didn't want to be there either. Because I, like, I have friends. I don't want to make more. <laughs> you know, it, it was just it sucked. And well, and let's be real too. I mean, you're you're at the age where, 
you know, dating is a huge part of life. And, and a lot of times what happens in the LDS culture as well is, and, and rightfully so, I, I get this mentality. Um, I really do. But a lot of young women will say, I, I will only marry a return missionary, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and I understand that. I understand why that's a thing. And, and that's, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, but we have to be careful with that. And, and so for you, as you go to this new ward and you see, you're not even at that, in that, at that point where you're like feeling good enough to even like try and associate with some of these young women. Right. Cause you're that, you're that black sheep now. Yeah. Right. And, and, and yeah, you're exactly right. That's exactly how I felt, you know, because the young women in the, the church, they're taught, you know, you want a man that can take you to the temple. That's a return missionary, blah, 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 blah. Even though, uh, serving a mission isn't a requirement for the temple. It's still, you know, something that's, that's taught. And, and, I, I worry about that. Yeah. Like who I am damaged goods, you know, like, ah. I, I, I'm going to sh- have a hard time finding a wife, you know, who's going to want this. It, you know? and, and again, going back to what you said in the, in the beginning, when you grow up in the church and you have, you come from a very faithful family, knowing that going on a mission is a commandment for every worthy young man. You, the buck kind of stops. Once you get to 19, you're on your mission, right? And then whatever you do after your mission is going to be blessed because you served your mission, yeah. right? So some, you know, some people think careers before that because they have parents that they get them to that point. But I'd say the majority of kids don't really get to that point because they just want to get on their mission and, and have a great experience. So you're back. You don't know what you're going to do with your life. And you, now you're the black sheep going into the ward. And you're, you're trying to like really seriously start from ground zero, but you've got an X on your back. Yeah. You've got the scarlet letter on your head. For real. Yeah. I mean, you literally do, right? That's tough. And yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And, you know, after that, that first Sunday there, um, I'm like, I, this, I, I can't do this. This is too hard. Um, and so I would then, you know, drive to church, you know, the, the following weeks where my parents thought I was going to church. But... I would just go drive somewhere and sit in the car. You went to Krispy Kreme, didn't you? Or yeah, yeah. You know, I would do that. <laughs> Did, go to the what, gas station. Tell me, tell me what your relationship was like with God at this point. You know, I, I think it, it was it, I, it was good. I, I felt like you know I, I had a testimony. I mean, as much of a testimony as an average you know teenage kid could you know have. I, yeah. I wouldn't. I wasn't like super churchy, but I wasn't like you know just going through the motions. I, I was really trying. And, and so, but at that time I felt like, you know, what, what's the deal here, God? Like I'm doing what's asked of me. I, I'm putting forth the effort to go not once, but twice. And I couldn't do it. Where are you? You know, like, yeah, you're starting to ask those questions. This This is what I'm supposed to do. And for whatever reason, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. And I can't explain why. And that was hard. Were you, were you still praying? Um, I was, you know, and, and, you know, since I wasn't going to the singles ward, I went back to the family ward, you know, the home ward there. And I had a Sunday school teacher that was for the the single young single adult. Sure. He was just an awesome guy. And he became the bishop, like just right, right, right then. Oh, cool. And so, he was familiar with my situation and he's like, Hey, Chad, will you do me a favor? I want you to read the scriptures every day. Just, I don't care how long, 
just read something. And on Sundays, just come up to me, hand me a piece of paper with the days written down. And if you read that day, put yes. If you didn't, put no. Just hand it to me. So don't even like give me a report. Yeah, just I, say whether I you did it. Know what you're, just, just let me know. Do you feel like that was a helpful thing? It was the smallest act with the largest like impact. That's that cool. Could have had. And it, um, well, it probably had to be to make it a large impact on a small thing. It was probably all about the approach though. Yeah. Did right. you feel it, safe? Between, did you feel safe with him? Exactly. Yeah. He, he just, his personality, his approach was just this soft, warm, didn't matter. You didn't, didn't matter. You didn't go. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm I just, I'm going to love you for you. Yes. And I, you, you got, you figuring out your life, but I'm going to love you. Why I've got you in my, it, absolutely. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, right, I, I could do that. And so I, I did it. And, you know, at, at night I'd come home from wherever I was, whatever I was doing, and I'd I just, you know, read. And then I'd, mar I'd keep a piece of paper and I'd make a note. Yeah, I read. And then Sunday would come around and I'd just see him in the hallway or whatever, walk up to him, and he knew where I was handing him, and he just put it in his pocket. And he never, never did he didn't, so he didn't like stop and unopen the paper and go, huh? So oh, you missed Thursday and Friday. And so you know, I, I just you know, being back, my my mom's like, you you have to get a job. How was the relationship with the parents around this time? It was good. Like it was never bad, but I there were still so many unknowns like what's the deal was it still a little awkward at, at certain times yeah I mean, it was home. awkward going to family parties it was awkward with my parents and brothers a little bit but you know with time that kind of went away but i always just had the, the thoughts in my head like oh, man I've, I've let everyone down and uh it, it just really stuck with me and just really kind of destroyed me yeah and um so I was just going, kind of going through the motions, working, and I, I felt out of place. I, I let everyone down, you know, like everyone's disappointed in me. I'm, I'm the oldest of, you know, I have two younger brothers, and I'm supposed to set an example for them. On my dad's side, I'm the oldest grandchild. Oh, that's 30 hard. 30 plus grandkids. Yeah. And Wow, I the first I just one really he didn't go, so he's what he didn't set the example for the yeah. rest. Now it's going to be easier for them to say no, right? Yep, exactly. That's tough. And you know, and then on my mom's side, I'm the fourth oldest, but second oldest grandson, and so I was feeling the same thing. Like mm -hmm. everyone younger than me, I have dropped the ball. I am a terrible example. I am a bad person, and that was hard. That yeah. was so hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, on my, my farewell, you know, for those who aren't familiar with the farewell thing, you know, people are coming up, they're giving you cards of money. Money, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I pocketed a lot of money. Like, I had very generous family and friends who, who were giving me, you know, money to go toward the mission or whatever. And my parents were like, you didn't go. You need to send that back. And that was another thing where I just, you know, I'm writing out cards and filling out a check for the money that they gave back to them. And so for each card I'm, I'm writing out, the shame is just Ugh. building and building and building. And, and I would go and I, most of them I was hand delivering like, Hey, I did, here's the situation. And, and, you know, a, a bunch of people were like, no, I, I gave that money to you. You know, like 
I don't want it back. It's not about the mission. It's about you. Yeah. And that's you know, those really people cool. it helped ease that pain. And, and that was so hard yeah, because yeah. now I'm, I'm putting it down on paper and delivering it back to yeah. people. Like I totally, you know, I, I'm a horrible person. Oh, that was rough. That's hard. Um, and so kind of going through that and, and I, I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to get back in school. I hated school, but, um, you know, it was now, you know, the semester had started and, and I had to wait till January anyway. And, and yeah, it, it was just pretty lost at this, at this point where you are at is a reason why we lose some of the young men in this church. Um, if young men don't go, it's kind of one of those choices in life where you say, okay, if I'm, if I'm not going to go and, or if I'm going to return early, um, am I done with this thing? Cause it's not going to be, it's not easy. It doesn't make it easy for you. And, and, and that's not because of any of the doctrines of the church, but it's because of the culture of the church, which mm-hmm. in any, yeah. any organization, if you, if you do something that's not of the expectation, that's going to happen. And so that's it. That it comes hand in hand with that. So it's not, it's not a problem of anything the church is doing mm-hmm. wrong. It's just what happens. And, and that's, that's a point where we lose a lot of young men that don't serve. And it's not that they don't love God. It's not that they don't want to be close to God. Sometimes it's because they're scared to death. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because mentally they just, they're not ready. They're not there yet. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think for our, to us to have some open dialogues around these things is very important in our church because we need to provide a very safe place. If someone decides they don't want to go, um, it needs to be safe mm-hmm. and it needs to be like not even a question in anybody's mind because it's really none of their business. And you know, it, it's getting there. Yeah. Right? I mean, there, there's, the, the church has come a long way yeah. in, in handling that and, and that's good. Um, but I, you know, I, at that point I'm like, I, I don't know what, I, I don't want to go to church. I, I know, failure, it's, I know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm this <clears throat> bad person. I, you know, my whole life I'm thinking you go on a mission and now that's gone, you know, like that, that's over. Now what? And, um, so fortunately, um, I have, a, a, a great friend who, um, was kind of dealing with something, sim- you know, not the exact same, but something similar. And, uh, you know, Chris Yeager, you know him. Um, he, was one of my older friends, you know, he's about 10 months older than me. And so he left. One of the smoothest shooters yeah. in skyline basketball <laughs> history. He couldn't jump worth beans, but man, that guy could shoot the ball. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and, um, you know, in, in high school, he had some, some knee issues and, you know, his whole life was playing basketball. You know, that's what he did all the time. And so when he had these knee problems, he had surgery and it kind of, a halt to his basketball career for a while, you know, while he went through that. And, and during that time, I, I didn't know this, but he had kind of fallen into some, you know, mental health issues some depression and, and stuff like that. OCD, I, I think. And, um, uh, so he was taking some medication for that and he kept it real quiet, really to himself. And, and I, I knew he was taking medication for something, but I didn't really understand, you know, because it wasn't something talked about right yeah. at the time. 
And so he got his mission call, went out in, in the fall before I did. And, and he was gone about four months and, and came home. You know, I, I had an interview with the bishop for, you know, preparing to become a, an elder. And my bishop's like, hey, you understand Chris is coming home. I'm like, I didn't know that. Huh? So he's going to be at church today. And, and he has some health issues he's, he's going to battle. And so I was like, wow, what, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. And so, um, you know, he, he was home and, and uh, to work through the issues. And, and he was still set apart as a missionary with the intent to, to go back out once everything was back on track. So his parents were his companion. And, and so, you know, to me, I'm thinking, cool, my, my, my best, best friend, in you know, he, he's yeah. home. Um, I'm going to go see him. I'll, I'll go study scriptures with him. You know, just spend, just hang out, you know. And because a lot of my friends are, are gone now, too. And, and so um, I spent a lot of time. Like if I wasn't working, I'd go over to his house. He would, you know, read scriptures for a little while and, and just talk. And um, he was, ended up being home a lot longer than planned. It just took a long time to get back on track for him. And, and so with that, you know, you, you can only stay in your house with your parents for so long. Oh, yeah. He started, you know, <clears throat> wanting to get out and feeling a little bit better. And so we'd go play golf. Um, we spent, you know, several mornings a week up at the church playing basketball one-on-one. His mom would be up on the stage, like, reading a That's book. Awesome. Or... Um, like knitting something, I don't know. <laughs> and, and we would just have some intense one-on-one battles. And, you know, he's a far better player than me, but, man, I'd sure let him know when I'd win. Yeah. You got the height and the reach advantage, <laughs> so I don't know, man. But, I mean, one time, I mean, we just would play so hard, and we collided one time, you know, our heads hit, and we're both laying on the ground seeing stars. His mom's like, what is going on? <laughs> and he ended up with stitches. Oh, and, yeah. And like, oh, my gosh, I broke the missionary. I love it. Um, so anyway, um, you know, he, he was home before I even left, to, you know, started my, my mission process. And, sure. And uh, I didn't really think much of that. I thought, you know, he just would, things would work out. He'd get back out. I'd be on my mission and, you know, happily ever after. Right? Sure. And, um so then when I come back the second time, you know, he's still home yeah. working through his situation. And uh, we, we just kind of picked up where we left off. I would go over to his house and just hang, hang out. We'd just spend time. You know, his, his dad would bring out the, the creamies. And, <laughs> and, um, and it, it was great. You know, and and I, I didn't realize what we were doing for each other yeah. at the time. Um, you know, just by... Being there, both in similar situations, you know, coming home from missions early, both of us having some some mental health issues and um, beating yourselves up, yeah, inside, exactly, yeah. having the same thoughts, feeling of, like your fail, your failures, right? right? Like right. you didn't do it, and everyone else did. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? Girls aren't going to want to touch us with right? a ten foot pole. Um, this is crazy. And one one Sunday. Um, you know, my family, we had gone to visit my grandparents and we're coming back and, and I said, yeah, he dropped me off at, at Chris's house. And, uh, so they dropped me off and, and I'm walking to the front door and, and Chris's dad was out and he, you know, he stopped me before I get to the door. And, and uh, I don't think I've shared this with anyone, yeah. you know, um, but he, uh,
Oh, sorry. No, it's awesome. But you must be cutting onions awesome. in here. No, <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> There's some clouds that just came <laughs> in. No, this is great. But, um, you know, he's said to me, he's like, Chad, just a few minutes ago, I was uh, in my room praying. You know, praying for Chris, and uh, I had just walked outside, and you're here. You're you're the answer to to my prayer. And uh, sorry, but don't be sorry. That that was kind of a a tipping point for me, because at that point I felt like. Okay, maybe my mission was just different, right? Maybe I'm home to help him, and he's home to help me. Because he was there for me when everyone else was gone. And Chris, could, he could understand what I was dealing with, and, and vice versa. And uh, you know, I still had the shame. You know, I still carried that with me. But that was kind of like the first step into figuring out What's going on, right? Somebody it's, loved you. Yeah. And and saw the value in you even even after you were sitting there beating yourself up. Yeah. I thanks for sharing that. I I, I so I, I I call it chicken skin, right? So I, I had the chicken skin. I felt I, I got the got the felt the spirit there when you're saying that. And I just gotta say, you know, um Brother Jaeger and or you know, Mr. Jaeger, whatever you wanna call him, <laughs> but um that that alone right there that's somebody who understands the eternal perspective you know that short-sightedness is to say if you don't go you're breaking a commandment and you'll never have a chance um you're you are ashamed of uh, you know whatever and that's not true and and yeah you know i've I've gone on a mission it was the best experience of Mm -hmm. my life up to that point but that's not where my life ended. And I've had some phenomenal, miraculous things happen since. And I give a lot of credit to my mission. But I also understand, just like you said, sometimes people's missions are different. Mm-hmm. And that is still their mission. And if we don't think our omniscient, loving, heavenly father understands that, and we're the ones that are putting this judgment on people, that is wrong of us. And I don't, I'm not okay with that. Um yeah. So, so keep going with your story. I, I, I kind of want I, I go back real quick, pause here for a minute, okay. if that's okay. Cause I want you to come back and kind of give us, you know, where you're at today, let people know and just see like how awesome your life is. Um, cause I think that that is, that's beauty to this story. Right. But when we were talking before we started recording, um, we talked about your childhood a little bit and, mm-hmm. and the fact that you did have a cleft lip and a cleft palate yeah. when you were a kid. And you said during this time with, with coming back from a mission, not just once, but twice, um, you had a lot of, a lot of personal, um, you were so hard on yourself personally, like, and, and, and you said some of that, even that was presented a little bit earlier in your life was kind of bubbling back up, which made it even more difficult to deal with, with this shame and, and this self, uh, self damaging that you were doing to yourself after coming back from the mission, right? So yeah. maybe talk about that just a little bit. So yeah, like you said, I was born with a cleft lip and palate. And so growing up, um, you know, you get kids that would tease you like in elementary school, like, yeah, your nose is funny or your lip or whatever. And, 
And, um, uh, and then people would always kind of question, like, what's, what's up with that? You know, what's going on? And uh, my mom always taught me growing up to, you know, let people know what, what it is. Explain it to them because they're not going to tease or make fun of what if they understand what it is. And so I, that's something I, I took to heart and uh, still do now, right? Like that's kind of why I'm here. I'm, I'm sharing experience, you know, but, and, and why. But, um, it, it, but growing up with that and, and being teased, it, it just made me feel really self-conscious. Sure. Especially around girls, right? Um, I, I felt like, you know, personality-wise, I, I felt like you know, I, I could make them laugh, I could have fun. But in the back of my mind, it's like, do they really, yeah. you know, are they really going to like me, right? Because I, I made out this, the way I look, to be bigger than it really is. Yeah. You know, the average person probably isn't going to notice. But to me, that's all I noticed. And so going through that mission situation, um, it, was, it was like going through that again. Like everyone's looking at me, you know, wondering what's wrong. And, and so... That whole idea of what's wrong with me to God, right? Like, what's wrong with yep. me? That became a bold statement in the exclamation, many exclamation points following that, right? I mean, it was, that was a very real thing to you at that point in your life. Now, it's not just this in my youth growing up with this thing that I've had to kind of deal with. Um, but now, now you've, you've had this other thing that's a huge thing in your life. And, and, and so what's wrong with me is very real in your life. Yeah. Exactly. I, I just think like I, I am just missing the mark on everything. You know, I, I'm just adding more issues why, you know, I'm not going to be able to get married or, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to have to like hide away in the basement. You know, <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to become a yeah. gamer for the rest of my life. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being a gamer, folks. <laughs> and and so, you know, that, that was hard to to, you know, deal with both those things, you know, it just made it worse. And, and so I, I don't know. It but was, there, there was some, I think the coolest thing when you were telling me before we started recording, is you said there were some moments of delight, right? Like even with your, the cleft lip growing up, you said there was a couple experiences you had, like, I believe you said like a young girl, um, like asked you about it and really yeah. like had interest in you, like showed interest, really wanted to understand because when someone has understanding, it's easy to love, right? Mm -hmm. And so that gave you that gave you some good feelings. But then you said an experience when you're in your teenage years with a lady at, at the store, I believe. Yeah, the gas station. Yeah. So I was at a gas station sometime in high school, and I'm in line to to pay for some candy or a drink or something, and and this lady came up to me and, and you know, excuse me, or do you have a, a cleft lip and palate? And I'm looking at her like, well. Weird question, but yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, I, I have a, a, a child up at Primary Children's Hospital right now who is about to have surgery or had just had surgery for the a cleft lip. And it's nice to see what someone grown up looks like after having gone through that. It brings, you know, a lot of peace to my mind. And uh, that was the first time... Uh, you know, I've had any comments that were like good about it, right? I was kind of had this aha moment, like, wow, you know, I, I, I helped somebody with, you know, it kind of turned a negative into a positive. Yeah. And, 
and and so that was that was kind of helpful healing, right? And for, and and not just for you, but think about that. So she's she was a nurse, right? I don't know if she was a or, nurse or a doctor, just a, or a, a mother who was watching her child go through it. And and so then she sees you, and and I got to tell you, your lip it looks awesome. Well, thank you. And um, I know your wife thinks that too. So <laughs> um, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But but. What's cool about that, and I believe this is how God works, is is you can either take something you don't know and you don't understand and you can be afraid of it and you can kind of um, surround it with darkness, if you will, meaning keep that ignorance, yeah. don't approach it, stay away from it, maybe look at that person like, oh, what's going on there? But I don't want to know. I don't care. Or we can surround it in light by loving. And, and loving means you want to embrace, you want to understand, you want to... Do it in all the right ways, full of love, right? Full of support and encouragement. And, and, and that's, that's God's way. That's how he works. And, and I think about that for you. And, and that, that validated you. Like you have, you have value. You're awesome. You're, you, like look at what you made that late. You could do for that lady by saying, yeah, look, you know, look, mm -hmm. look who I am. I'm yeah. somebody that's doing good things in my life. And that little child's going to have the same thing too. So you get to walk away. And you feel good about yourself, Chad. And now she gets to breathe easier and she gets to, there's light surrounding that circumstance and that situation for that child in that mom's heart, in that mom's mind. That changes the way she approaches her child because there's, there's belief. There's, there's understanding that it's going to be okay. And, and I just, I, I, I think the reason why this experience for you stands out to me is I think, you know, I don't, I don't care if you belong to a faith or not. I don't care if you believe in God or not. Everybody can see light and dark in this world. Everybody. I mean, it's just that that's the way it is. There's good, there's bad, there's light, there's dark. And in every single experience that we have in our lives, the one thing that we can control is whether we bring light to that or whether we bring darkness to that. And, and, we can try harder to make things safe for everybody by bringing light to things, by expressing love about things, by encouraging people. Um, even, even people that are dealing with things that we don't understand. It, it's okay to approach yeah. and to be curious in a loving way with don't, you know, we got to make it safe for them and, and not be intrusive, but, but to love and, and to come with the right spirit, to come with love is, is the only thing that comes to my mind. But what it does is it surrounds people with light. Mm -hmm. And when people are surrounded with light, there's hope. And, and they can go forward their lives. And, and, and it, it's like a ripple. It ripple effects. And it moves forward and, and uh, blesses people's lives without them even recognizing what that just did for them. Right. So there's absolutely a mission for you still, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that, I kind of, looking back on that, as I'm going through that mission experience, it, it was one of the things that I could draw on to kind of help me through the, the dark times, right? Um, so, you know, pairing the, the self-conscious feelings I have and, and everything like that with the, uh, you know, the, the mission experience. And then now, you know, I, I'm home and Chris and I dealing with that same thing. It, it helped me, you know, to kind of reconcile everything that was going on to you know, the, the story of the 90 and 9, right? Where the Lord, you know, he, he's like, he's going to go find that one lost sheep, right? And bring him back and not going to let you let that, you know, that sheep off on its own. And I felt like 
through that experience, you know, Chris and I were the answer to each other's prayers, right? Um, and to our family's prayers, whatever. You're not forgotten by we, God. Exactly. He, he knew us each individually. And he still exact, loved you. Yeah, perfectly. exactly what we needed was each other, right? And because no one else in this world could have played the role for each other that we did and going through that. And so it's like, um, you know, I, I, I didn't recognize this at the time, but as I got older and looking back, I was able to see how, um, you know, the, the Lord knows us each individually. And if he didn't, there's no way that that situation plays out like it did. And, uh, you know, I, I may not have, I, I won't be able to join into the, the, oh, back on the mission stories, you know? <laughs> Please don't. And, and, and when they come up, I don't want to hear them yeah. anyway. <laughs> Us 40-year-olds should have other experiences yeah. besides the two years on a mission. If we don't, maybe we should try some, a little harder, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, I, you know, he and I may not have those stories, but what we have is, is this, this friendship that we were able to build that has lasted for years, even though we live on different sides of the, the country right now, you know, we can get together every other year or whatever and, and uh, pick up where we left off. Just because, you know, that bond, because of that bond that we built, having been through those same similar situations. And, and I, 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 I am 100%, you know, belief that that was the Lord's hand. And it, it's awesome, you know, and, and it took me a while to, to understand that and get to that point, you know, and, and as I, when I first came home, I, I got a couple of letters, one from Chris's dad, yeah. Monty, you know, he, he, that, what's that his guy, name again? Monty. Monty. He is just the, the greatest guy in the world. I have so much respect for him, but you know, I, I came home one letter, you know, I, I had been home a day, you know, and I get this letter from him and, and talking to me about being a friend and. And it just meant the world to me. And, and you know, my... so this is after you were at home. Yeah. He didn't write you on your mission. Right. He wrote you at well, home. He heard wrote you a letter. He just immediately. Oh, sent that's him. awesome. Said, wow. And, uh, you know, I had my, my dad's aunt, Connie, who uh, you may know Connie Madsen. From yeah. Working at the furniture yep, yep. store. Well, she and her husband, Frank, they have been mission presidents and, and done all that. And when she heard, she wrote me a letter saying, you know, that that's okay. Like yeah. it's okay that you're home. Oh, that's awesome. This is not it's not a requirement to, to you know for celestial glory, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. And and stuff like that from people when you don't expect it, that all helped get through the through the process, right? And it was knowing that people care and love you no matter what. And uh, so it was a great experience that um, you know, looking back twenty Two years later, it's I, I can see how it all played out just like it should have. Yeah. So so let's let's kind of talk about what your life is like now. So you married your wife, Christy. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, and eighteen how, years ago. Eighteen years ago. So you were home for. I mean, this whole experience happened four years later. You meet her. Did you meet her at school? As you're as you're moving forward with your life? No, a blind date. Okay. So some mutual friends were married. Okay. And uh, they lined us up. Awesome. And um, it just happened to work. You were, you, were you able ever, sorry, were you ever able to work through 
those feelings of shame from the mission experience? You know, I, in one of our conversations after, um, when we were talking about marriage, right? I, I said, does that bother you that I didn't serve a mission because that's what you're taught growing yeah. up. Like look for the yeah. return missionary. Right. And I remember we were driving in my car and she kind of looks at me and she's like, absolutely not. And I was kind of caught off guard that it was like that definite. Almost in you your know? mind, like you're like, well, why not? Well, yeah, but you're supposed to. Like, <laughs> Am I that, making the right choice that's so what? funny, man? No, it's just ingrained. Anyway. And, and so it was, well, all right. Well, I guess, and the, the way she said it, the way I received, received it was, well, all right. And it was never an issue again. And you know, it was just something in my mind that's awesome. that I had been concerned about. But in hers, it was a, a non-starter, right? No thing. Not a big deal. She saw the good in you, and that's what she loved about you. Now, okay, and <clears throat> when you came home, you, you said you've been working for IHC for the last 10, 11 years. So you went to University of Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, easy school to graduate, get into and graduate <laughs> from. I, I, I think I think they just kind of like give everybody A's, that kind of stuff, right? So, <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, anyway, so... Um, you go there, you graduate from the U and, and, and what did you do right after? I mean, did, were you kind of, did you get your confidence back going to school and just starting, starting to engage again and, and yeah. just not worrying about the stuff? Like, tell me about all that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, being there with Chris and, and kind of helping each other through that, that, that helped me feel like, okay, I'm back on, on track. Time had passed. People knew I was home my friends started coming home from their missions. And so it, it just felt like everything's coming back to normal. You know, it, it's not a big deal anymore. And, uh, but then, you know, with my friends coming back, like one of them, you know, met this BYU student. She's like, Hey, I have a bunch of friends. Why don't you get a bunch of friends and come down and we can hang out. So he drags, you know, four or five of us down to, to Provo to some dorm down there and and we meet these girls and and you know one of the first questions you know we were trying to hey let's get to know each other type thing and yeah exactly so so one of the first questions that comes up is where did you guys go on your missions not did you but where yeah right Right. and so my friends are like oh i went to argentina i went blah, blah 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 and they come to me and i'm like well i went to provo and they, they kind of stop, like, really? Where, where are you, you from? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm from Salt Lake. You were called Whoa, to Provo. Oh, man. Like, yeah, it, it's a secret mission. You know? <laughs> and, and so I, I would learn to kind of play it off yeah, as a joke. Yeah, you can joke about it. And, and that's kind of how I would deal with that. Yeah. But on the inside, it would just kind of tear you, me up a little and bit. And you always knew that in other people, they kind of had that like, oh, yeah, okay, and, what's and, wrong with him, right? And then when the joke was kind of done, I'd be like, well, here's the situation. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh. Then you got to okay. explain yourself, right? And that's even, I mean, that's even harder because you're like, I don't know, right? Like nobody should have to walk around their whole lives explaining themselves to anybody when they when they meet people yeah. for the first time, right? Yeah. Can you imagine and, if we did that? I mean, where else in the world other than BYU do you, do you get that? <laughs> you know, yeah, that's yeah. why I stay far, far <clears throat> away yeah. from What's that. your name? Okay, great. What, he, I want to hear your testimony. Go yeah. ahead. Tell him to record it. Great. No, no, no I'm, I'm totally kidding. Because, I mean, if there's a, if there's a believer in, in the gospel and the way that it's organized, you know, and, and, and set up for structurally in an imperfect world, I, I do. I believe, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. And so I, I kind of, 
it's easy to joke about some of these things, but they're, they're real things, you know, they're real things. And, and, and we do need to be cautious. And, um, anyway, I, Chad, let, let's, let me ask a few questions around, yeah. uh, kind of your story. I've, I've gotten, sure. I've took, taken some really good notes here. <laughs> I can tell. First I'm of impressed. all, I, first of all, I hope you'll share this with Monty. Um, because that, when you shared that experience of him saying, saying that he was praying for his son and, and he walked outside and there you were, um, I felt the spirit, um, and you obviously did as well, and, and you were emotional, oh, yeah. and, and I can see your eyes watering now. And I, I hope, I hope that you'll share this podcast with him and give him a chance to hear that, because obviously his heart and mind is focused on trying to do what his heavenly Father wants him to do, and and meaning he is living the gospel right. Oh, he's yeah. loving, and Absolutely. he's trying to lift right. So. Um, that 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 was such a cool moment, and I appreciate you sharing that. That's powerful yeah, for sure. Um, let's let's go back to. Um, tell me, kind of talk a little bit more. I and I think maybe if there's anybody out there who has tried to go on a mission that's come home, I, I want you to kind of talk to them, the ones that that like in the future, the ones that will come home early or that that are too afraid to leave. Um, why did you stay in the church? Not, not, not necessarily why did you stay believing in God? Because now that's not the question. Why did you stay in the church? You know, at, at first it was because my parents were pulling me out of bed okay. right, to, to go. Um, and then as that kind of wore off and being home longer, um, and my, my great bishop who was keeping me accountable with such you know, a simple act, um, just letting, letting me know that without saying love, right? Like I, I could feel that like, Hey, I, I want you here. I want the blessings for you. You know, you are valuable. Yeah, 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 exactly. You've lost no you're, value. You're of great worth. And, uh, you know, that was, that was super helpful to me just knowing that. And, and then the people that reached out with, with their letters or, or whatever saying it's okay. You know, I, I needed that. And there wasn't a whole lot of it at that time either. Yeah. There was just kind of a lot, a lot of weird looks. Yeah. So the people that did say, Hey, it's all right. Like, wow. They I mean, just that simple act just did so much for me that made me stay like thinking, yeah, I, they're, I want to go to church. Like yeah. there's a reason why I was going on a mission because yeah. I had a testimony. I believed it. I still wanted that feeling, but those simple acts from people, what kept me on the line. Right. Interesting. So the number of those loving acts were fewer than the looks that you got. Right. Yeah. And it may not have been the perceived. Sure, sure, sure. May not have been like super dirty looks, but just people looking at you without engaging you. That in in and of itself, when someone looks at you across a room and then does not engage you, what is that person? What does your mind go to? Uh, They they're judging me, or they don't like me, or because they they they're they're not taking the time to come up and offer you love and light, right? Even if it's just, hey, Chad. I'm, I'm, I just want you to know how much I love you. And you know, yeah. And I, I even had, you know, family and, and people, like, hey, I, they knew I was home and well, when are you going back? 
uh, I'm not, you know, like that, that was hard yeah. because, you know, then they look on their face like, oh, interesting. You know, like, yeah. Okay, so why so, wouldn't you go back? So I think, I think this is a really powerful message and whether you're a member of the church or whether you belong to, you know, a different faith, um, if people aren't living in line with what we as a culture in whatever organization we belong to <clears throat> feel that they should be living up to, um, it's not our job to judge that. It's not. Our job is to love. Mm-hmm. Our job is to connect. Our job is to invite. You know, um, Christ went to everybody. Um, his, you look at his ministry on earth, and his mission was to go and find those people that belong to marginalized groups uh-huh. or the sinners right. and to bring them to the table because nobody else made room for them at the table. He would go to them and bring them in. And I, and I think about your experience, Chad, and what, what I'm learning from you is if there is a young man or young woman that leave a mission early, that it's very important for me within that first week or two to do something to let them know that I love them. And they are safe with me no matter what, that their value to God has not changed. And I love them, even if it's a simple letter or a card or some crumble cookies or something. (laughs) But that small act, you had fewer of those than you did of the other ones in your mind. And those few acts open the door for you to really feel um, confident enough to to just continue to go without worrying about all the other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me this, when, when you came back in, in church settings, in the LDS church, you know, we, once a month we have in our sacrament meetings a fast and testimony uh, Sunday meeting. Um, also in Sunday school and some of these other classrooms uh, settings, you, you, you answer questions like when there's a class setting, if you want to, if you engage. Um, and sometimes there's opportunities to teach and, and bear your testimony. As someone who didn't go and stay, when you came back and there was shame there, has that ever caused you to feel like you somehow are unworthy of bearing your testimony of God? You know, I, I, I don't know that it's that has caused me to, to not want to share. Um, I think it's maybe brought on feelings of inadequacy, right? Like you hear people go up and, and have these comments or bear a testimony of, you know, these great experiences they have or from their mission or, or whatever, or they're just well-versed in, in the scriptures. And, um, and I'm not because I, I wasn't in the scriptures for two years teaching them and preaching. Right. And, and so I, I feel inadequacy that way where I don't know it as well as maybe I could have, if I had been able to stay out. Right. And so, so that is what may keep me from, from voicing stuff or making comments, just feelings of inadequacy that I still feel 22 years later because of that. I, my, <clears throat> I'm going to invite you to do something. If there's anyone else listening to this who has been in, in the same position that you've been in, and, and I know who you are, and I know you're not afraid to do this, but I, I do want to, I want to vocalize this because I think it's important. It's kind of coming to my, my, my mind right now. I, I invite you to please open your mouth. You know, I, I invite you to, that's different than what the common is in, in the LDS church and LDS culture. And I invite you to share, share away and share, you know, the feelings in your heart and mind and share the experiences you went through and how that brought you closer to God, what you went through that did, because 
that's, those are the kind of things that open people's hearts and minds to understanding to say, that person's amazing and they've lost no value. And gosh, I, I can learn a ton from what they've been through because that is far different than what I've been through. And, and that's, that's, we, then we're all helping each other. Yeah. So I, I, my encouragement to anybody, if you hear this and, and, um, you've ever felt that way, I invite you to share, you know, I, I remember one time, um, my, my, uh, anyway, we, we have, we have a friend that was having some problems with the word of wisdom. And she actually was asked to teach about the word of wisdom in, in, in her class on Sunday. There was probably some reasoning behind that, I'm sure. Um, but this person called my wife and said, I, I don't know if I can do this. And my wife said, no, you need to do this because that's what we need. We're imperfect mm-hmm. people and we need people that can get up and be honest and right. be vulnerable. And it doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden teaching this incorrect thing in a church by getting up and saying, I struggle with this. I'm going to be honest and real with you. And, and by doing that, what does that do for all of us? It allows us to understand, have more charity and more love for people. Right. Exactly. And, and it's interesting because that, that person went and taught that class and the responses that she got after a class she said that she had multiple people come up to her and hug her and just say, I've, I've felt where you're at right now. And I just want you to know how much I love you. And thank you so much for sharing that because I've been having these questions about things or I've been struggling with this. And, and by you being vulnerable and sharing something that you're struggling with, that, that gives me hope too, that I'm not the only one that's out there struggling in my life right now. Right. Um, okay. So, So yeah, pretty cool. Anyway. Um, I'm, I'm kind of talking a lot right now, so I'm gonna, let's move you're through good, this. You're good. Um, go back to go back to that experience with the stake president. And I don't listen. I, I don't want to shame that person, but I know in life in general. And again, I'm not going to pinpoint the church because it happens in any organization that you go to. People get offended, and people say things that are rude and crass, or just not with the right tact or the right spirit, if you will, not with light. Um, what what was it about that experience that caused some bitterness in your heart that, that is still there? You know, I think um, I, at, at that point in my life, I, I needed someone to be like, I get it. I understand. I know what you're going through. Because I, I couldn't even label what I was going through, right? I, I had no idea what was going on in my mind, keeping me from doing what I wanted to do. And, and when he didn't take the approach that I needed, that was really hard because it made me feel like the way I, you know, what happened, it it wasn't real. Like it was just, oh, I decided not to go. So I came home, you know, or I didn't like it. I came home and when that wasn't the case at all. And, and so, he, it just kind of made me feel like he was against me instead of working with me, right? If that makes sense. That totally, totally. And and I wonder, I, you know, I, I would imagine he's a person that went on a mission or, or and never really had been through that himself. And so sometimes, sometimes it's important for us just to listen um, and to validate people's feelings and to accept that to them, these are real feelings. And and when you do, when we do that to each other. Um, when I've had my feelings validated for things that I've done, when I'm trying to come clean and, and trying to move forward with my life, um, 
I've had that same reaction where people don't really know what to do. And so they, it's, it's kind of a more of a stern approach of, huh, let me, you know, let me think about this for a while. And then we're going to come up with the, these steps for you to take. And it's like, that's very cold. Yeah. But I've also had those leaders that have got out from behind their desk, come over to me, got down on their knees, looked me in the eyes, hugged me and cried and said, I love you. You've lost no value. You are a son of God and are so important. That's why Christ came and did what he did. Yeah. And, and I'm going to do everything I can in my, in, in my life to help you feel that value again, because this, this, you didn't, you didn't, there's nothing you've done that has made you unloved by your heavenly father and the savior. You are, you are so loved. And this experience that you've been through as hard as it's been, we're going to get through this and you're going to look back on this and you're going to have lessons that you're going to take away that are going to, te- they're going to kind of bless the rest of your life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and, and so I think that's my next question for you, Chad is number one, going back to that experience with stake president is I think we can all in our lives, whether it's a religious setting or whether it's something else, a parent setting or friendship setting, um, validate people's feelings. They're real. They're true. When someone says something to you, trust that that is real to that person. Don't judge it by your limited mindset. Validate that and then show that love as you validate, right? Yes. Love and just embrace and encourage. Um, anyway, so moving forward, um, you, you meet your wife, you marry your wife. You, you've got a fantastic life. I do. And, and you're driven. Uh, you, you do good things. You're up, you uplift people when, when we're around. I went, you know, you, Dan and I went to lunch a while ago and, and, uh, every time I walk away from you, I feel uplifted. I remember when Dan was in the middle of his struggles, Dan, my brother was on an episode earlier in this podcast yeah. and, and he shares a lot of the things he went through shame and, and not living up to expectations that are set and, um, some things that he'd been through. And I remember bumping into you a while back when he was kind of in the middle of it. And at that point, Dan was afraid to see anybody he knew because he was so ashamed of who he was. And I remember seeing you and you came up to me and, and you got emotional and you said, how's Dan doing? I don't see him anymore and I miss him and I, I'm worried about him. And I said, reach out to him. I think it'd be, and you came to the house. Yeah, he wouldn't respond to my text. You came to, you tried, you tried and you didn't give up. And you're married, you've got a family, you've got, you don't have time for, you got to take care of your family. But you showed up. You came, you, you tried one way, it didn't work. You, then you showed up at my mom's house and talked to Dan and, and, and you took him to lunch. And I know, I know that was huge for him. And I, I just, I think because you've been through some hard and painful things that you are, a, a, you're quicker to respond to people. And that's a powerful thing. That's what we need more in this world of. So my question for you is, um, I'm going to ask the final question. I, I think, I think you've done a, a great job, um, sharing your message with us tonight. Um, Chad, I, the most, the thing that I always try and pull out of people when they share their stories, um, is that gift, right? What's that? As you, as you've gone through all these things that you've gone through, hindsight's 2020, looking back on everything you've been through, the darkest moments of your life, what is the gift that you received and how has that gift changed your life and blessed your life? Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I think looking back after 22 years of life experiences, you know, I, I, it's easy to pinpoint 
those things I've learned are the greatest gift is, you know, I, I think um, it's so important to have that army of people that support you. Um, not everyone has that, but I did. Um, here I go again. <laughs> but, um, you know, parents that, you know, they, they didn't, I, I didn't feel judged. They supported me through the whole thing, even though at first they, they may have not understood the why behind everything, but, but they were still there. Um, you know, then, uh, you know, Chris, he was there. And, uh, so it is so important, you know, who you choose to have your friends be, you know, that, that's a choice we, we make. And it, I tell my kids, you know, it's so important to surround yourself with, you know, those, those great examples and true friends that will be there. And, uh, well, that, that's a huge gift that I've got from going through that experience. Um, I've also received the gift of, of coming to know God from a different perspective. Um, you know, he, like I said before, I know that he knows me individually. Um, he just has to, you know, that the process I went through after coming home, that was tailor made for me. And you know that he put the right people in the right place at the right time. The right people were making comments that I needed to hear, or messages, or, or whatever. You know, I, they probably don't think anything of it. May not even remember it, but I sure do. Um, and I, I think also the gift of experience, right? Going through a trial. You, at that age, there, you, you may not go, have gone through many trials in your life at that point. You know, you've only been around for less than 20 years or whatever. But um, I think it's, it's given me a lot of experience to deal with trials that I have been faced with since then, right? It, it's helped me strengthen my testimony to know that God is there. He is listening. And even in those dark times when you're wondering, hey, what's the deal here? Like, there is a plan. We just don't know it. And there, those prayers will be answered. And um, that, that's huge. You know, I, it's helped me through, you know, job loss, through the housing crunch in 2008, you know. And, and uh, you know, I, I was diagnosed with MS two and a half years ago. And that was a pretty dark time to go through uh, initially because I didn't know what my life was going to look like in the future. I still don't, but, um, you know, it, it's helped me just come to terms with that. It's taken time, but the experience I gained years ago is helping me through that now. Um, so yeah, those are, you know, just a few of the gifts, I guess. Yeah. That, Bravo. I mean, that was, that's awesome. And it, it took all the way to the last, 30 seconds of, of you talking to say you have MS. Yeah. You've been diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think just the mindset you have and, and the trust that you have in your Heavenly Father, knowing how perfectly aware He is of you and that He is in the details and He loves you. He loves everybody and He's concerned about everybody. 
and, um, and that he is at work to help us. And we can trust that, right? We can right. trust that. And, 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 and anyway, bravo, Chaz, great job sharing your story. And, and I, you know, I got, I get a lot of value, uh, from what you shared with me. And, and I think I learned a lot as far as, um, people that are going through different things than, than I've personally experienced and maybe some of the darkness and shame that they're feeling and how I can approach that kind of like Monty did for you and Chad did for, or, or Chris did for you. And, uh, anyway, um, thank you for coming to share your story. It, it, a great story. And and you're such a good guy. It's so fun <laughs> to hear your story, man. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. This is, this is awesome. You yeah. know, I, just real quick, I just want to add something. Um, you know, a few months ago I, I read a talk or heard a, a conference talk or something where they were talking about, how, uh, you know, share your life experiences with people, pray for opportunities to, to share these experiences, to lift others' burdens. And so I, I'm driving home one day and I, that thought popped into my mind and I said, you know, I, I'm going to do that. And I had an experience where um, a lady I work with, you know, I, I just work on the phone with her quite a bit. And it's a Friday afternoon, you know, everyone's kind of going home and, and she says, you know, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm good. How about you? Oh, I'm having a hard time. My son just went out on a mission and I heard, I got a call from his president that he's sick. He needs to come home. And, you know, he, he came home and I don't know how to help him. And I'm like, well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> I lived that. Yeah. This is, I, 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 this was like two days yeah. after I did that prayer. And, and to be able to share my experience with her, you know, I could hear her on the other end of the line crying. And it just made me feel like so good that I could, you know, take this experience and help somebody else through their dark times, through their worry. And so thank you, you know, for giving me that chance again. Yeah. So hopefully there's somebody out there. Yeah that can get something from this. Oh, right? there, there so. will be my friend. That's the thing is, is we, you're exactly right. The power of stories and what we go through, we help each other rise. And that's, that's what it's all about. We share, we share our darkness so that we can share the light that we see very, very clearly and very sharply because of the darkness that we've had in our lives. All it does is make our vision that much better. And you don't have to, you don't have to talk in detail about the, the darkness mm -hmm. all the time. You, you know what it is to you, but, but you can definitely say that it's there and it's been there and this is the gift that it's given you in your life. Um, anyway, great job. Love you, man. You're <laughs> stud. And, Appreciate uh, it, yeah. And, and, and again, um, BYU is going to kick Utah's butt next time they play. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.